Hi, everybody. Welcome to another quarantine episode. Well, I guess at this point, it's just... It's just an episode. (laughs) I only have a few things to talk about, and I assume we'll have a lot of mutual things to talk about. But then later at the end, we'll be talking about Wild Nights with Emily, which I'm sure we all watched. And I'm hyped to talk about it. Me too. I have a lot to say. I have a lot of feelings that I'm sure I can already say your response is going to be like, yeah. Oh God. Okay. But first off, I want to start off by saying that we were both very sad to hear about the passing of Chi Chi Devane, which happened a couple of days ago at this point. Chi Chi had been struggling for a while and it was very sad and I was definitely feeling it as much as or along with the rest of the LGBT community. And Chi Chi was such a light on Drag Race and it's it, she will be very, very missed for sure. I feel like the first thing we really need to discuss is something that happened after we had recorded last week's episode. So we weren't able to address it last week, but that is that Leah Michelle's baby has a name and it is maybe the worst name ever. The which- only thing that could be more worse is what she said about it. I know. So its name is Ever Leo, which is a cute name, right? It's like a cute, fine name. But then when you put it in context of its last name, and the child is named Ever Reich, like, do they not have publicists? Why would you think that she does, that she has a publicist anymore at this point? I mean, Amy Schumer named her child Genital, and then she Wait, changed what? it. Yeah. Its name was Jean Attell Fisher. So it was named Genital Fisher. But then I she did not know this. She changed it to like Jean Thomas or something. It took them like months. At first they were like, huh, oops. And then a couple months later they were like, no, we fucked up. We're going to change it. So I wonder if that's going to happen with Leah. If she's like, oh, I didn't realize that my baby is named Ever Reich. No, I'm sure she'll never notice. If she hasn't noticed at this point, didn't she play Anne Frank? <laughs> Did she? Yeah, at Circle in the Square. Oh, okay. I mean, I will say Ever is a cute name. I didn't like it on first breath, but then I was like, oh, this is cute. I still think it should be Leo Ever. I think Leo Agreed. was a better first name, but like first for a celebrity name, Ever is like cute and fine. But not Ever Reich. Yeah. <laughs> when my parents were naming me, they like, really thought about names that would not work with the last name Hunt. Like, they wanted to name me Ella, and then they were like, oh, Ella Hunt sounds like elephant. Whoa, it does. And it's like, do people not do that? I guess not. I mean, moments before, I mean, even in the last episode, we were like, oh, Corey's going to be a part of it. And you know what? That That's a, still an alternative that she can choose. Yeah, name it Leo Corey Reich. Mm-hmm. Even, honestly, even if it was ever hyphen, like almost like a Molly May situation, like if, 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 if I just, it's always something with that one. It really is. And earlier we said that it sucked what she said about it, which was that she said we are forever grateful, which is just so obnoxious and so something that like your friend from sixth grade posts on Instagram about their child I- named ever. I would like to play this clip back every single time that she uses that phrase for the rest of Ever's (laughs) life. Cause it will not be the last. (laughs) Oh yeah. She's like that, right. The, like that thing where like writers find one good rhyme and they use it like all the time. Yes. Like this will be Leah's thing. Like she did it once and she's like, 
oh, that's good. And she's going to use it for the rest of her life. Yeah, she thinks it's so clever, which it's not. It is, it, but in like just the most basic <laughs> It's basic not clever, way. it's just saying a word. Like she told funnier jokes on Glee. <laughs> she's told funnier jokes in her life. It's not, because it's not a joke. It's not a joke, it's just a word. <laughs> it's just a word emphasized differently. I hope that she's well. God. I also guess we should take a moment to say thank you for all of the feedback that we've been getting on our Patreon video. Oh, yeah. So we released a Patreon video about Taylor Swift and Diana Agron, aka Swift Gron, and it has gotten wild acclaim. <laughs> People are thrilled about it. We have gotten, and not only from our patrons, like our patrons are enjoying it, but they usually enjoy our content, hopefully. And we tweeted and Instagrammed a clip of it, and people are like, fuck, yes, we love this. So become a patron, <laughs> patron, become a patron at patreon.com slash one more thing. So the first news story I just want to quickly share is about my favorite TV show, One Day at a Time. <gasps> so it started on Netflix. Netflix canceled it. And then it was on Pop TV, which made it impossible to watch because I do not have Pop TV. However, now it's going to re-air the season that just aired on Pop TV. They're going to air it on CBS. Oh, that's so great. So I can use my CBS Now or whatever account, whatever thing that happens with my mom's cable to let me watch CBS, I can watch. (laughs) that's so great and that that's a lot more accessible because you're right a lot of people don't have pop tv and i only had pop tv while Shit's creek was happening and now that it's over i don't have it anymore yeah and gloria calderon kellett who is the showrunner and creator or maybe she's the co-creator anyway she's the showrunner basically said like you have to watch it or it's not gonna get a season five so please watch it on cbs so everyone go watch one day at a time on cbs boycott netflix (laughs) And demand a season five of One Day at a Time because I love it. And also, they're the only show I know that actually did something about coronavirus in their season that was happening. They did an animated special. That's really cool. Isn't it? And they had everyone, like, record their lines at home. It was really cute. And not that I know because I couldn't watch it, but. (laughs) That's really cool. I like that a lot. Speaking of TV shows, have you been following or, like, do you know anything about the HBO Max show Equal? No, I don't know what that is. I know Legendary. Okay, so HBO Max is rolling out like a bunch of LGBT stuff, like Legendary. But this is produced by Greg Berlanti. Oh, him. Who's that? Love, Simon. Okay. It's also being produced by Jim Parsons and the minds behind Queer Eye. And this is what it's being billed as. Equal will recount the history of the LGBTQ rights movement in the aftermath of the Stonewall Uprising, focusing oh, yeah. on yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. focusing on the brave and often little-known heroes of the time. In an exciting twist, the cast also features uh, a litany of popular queer performers, and they recently released uh, like character images of everybody as their characters and who is playing who. And the cast is insane. It really is. It's people like, we got Keenan Lonsdale, which makes sense with like Love, Silent, Haley Sahar, who we love from Pose, Anthony Rapp, Samira Wiley, Isis King. Oh my God, Jamie Clayton, who like, we've yeah. been Cl- Jamie Clayton stands since season one. 
Well, you have. I only just discovered her because of disclosure. And Sarah Gilbert. Jesus Christ. (laughs) And Theo, who, Jay, I don't think that you've seen Theo before, but Theo is the trans actor in The Politician. Theo Germain. Yes. But otherwise, oh, 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 oh. And, okay, I don't know how to say her last name, and I'm just going to admit that up front, but Heather, who was Anne Hathaway's friend in The Princess Diaries. Matarazzo. Yes. She's playing Phyllis Lyon. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I don't know who Phyllis is. I'm excited to watch this. I, being somebody that has HBO Max, so like I understand if you're listening to this being like, I don't care, I'm never going to get to see this. It seems that they're, ju- they're like just starting to advertise for it. So I guess we'll get a release date coming up soon. And I can't wait because we all know that I loved When We, we Will Rise, When We Rise, When, when we, we Rise. rise. Yeah. So I'm very ready. I think it's time we talk about the elephant in the room. The Ammonite trailer? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you knew where I was going with that. Yeah, so for those who somehow haven't seen, who weren't one of the three likes on our tweet about the trailer, (laughs) the trailer for the Saoirse Ronan, Kate Winslet lesbian movie called Ammonite came out. I am of two equal but opposing minds about it. Oh. Number one, I think it sucks that the only lesbian movies we ever get are all white. They're always period dramas. They never have a happy ending. They're always just like women staring at each other while classical music plays. They are always directed by men. This is directed by at least a gay man, but a man nonetheless. And people who make lesbian dramas sort of set themselves up for all white casting because they do these period movies. And for like, for some reason, lesbians can't exist in the current time. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't know how to say that, but lesbians can't exist today basically. And so we just get all these movies that are like lesbians in the 1800s, lesbians in the 1950s, lesbians in the 1980s. And because of that, and also because Hollywood is incredibly racist, we just get to see like white, skinny, attractive lesbians. And we never get to see any like real stories beyond just like, oh, these two women can't be together and it's tragic. On the other hand, I think it looks incredibly hot. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> And I was like, okay, so I attracted to Saoirse Ronan. In period. this or in general? I, I was going to say, I feel like that's just like a general statement. In general, yeah. How do we feel about Kate Winslet? She's fine. Okay, interesting. I love, like, I would do anything for Kate. I mean, we saw the dressmaker for Kate Winslet. Yeah, I mean, she's a great actress. I really like her as an actress. I'm just not attracted to her. No, yeah. So the thing that I'm most, well, first of all, I mean, we can all just say it all together. This movie looks like Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yes. Period. Like, even the plot of, like, a woman being basically given a job to just, like, accompany another woman and then they fall. Like, it just, it just is. But I'm excited because I, I liked uh, God's Own Country, the director's other movie. Right. Which we've talked about, I think, twice now on the podcast before this. But that movie while it's very separate the sex scenes in it were great and very raw not in the literal term but well maybe but like uh in the like in the vibe and the feeling from it and from watching the trailer i was like oh no 
these sex <laughs> scenes are going to be like Rachel on Rachel spit in my mouth, like level, <laughs> like lesbian sex scenes. Well, speaking of that, we saw an article today that Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan choreographed their, quote, most explicit sex scene, which I have three things to say about. Number one, their most explicit sex scene implies that there are multiple sex scenes in this movie. <laughs> yes. Number two, either that is a lesbian sex scene choreographed by two straight women, or it's a lesbian sex scene choreographed by a straight woman and Saoirse Ronan, who has never been publicly... <laughs> has never publicly commented on her sexuality and thus I believe to be a lesbian. Number three, there are people whose job is to choreograph sex scenes. And so why did this director, Francis Lee, I think is his name, why was he like, all right, Saoirse and Kate, you go do this thing that an intimacy choreographer should have been hired to do. I mean, it it's kind of hot to think about like the two of them being like, okay, what do we think is the most intimate and safe way to do this it's hot to think about them in their trailers being like all right what's gonna be the hottest thing we can do okay i don't think they were in their trailers but that is something that i'm sure everybody's <laughs> thinking about also we do go. we know who fiona shaw is playing fiona shaw i think is playing Saoirse ronan's mom all right <laughs> Oh, I love this. Obviously from different worlds, the women initially get off on the wrong foot, but the tension between them le- develops into true love, which leads to passionate sex. <laughs> As we all know. That is also not where I thought that sentence was going when you said get off. <laughs> but it ended up there, so I guess we're all, we're all set. I mean, I assume that this movie will come out at some point between now and the end of the year so that it's included in whatever oscar situation they have going on for next year right which means that this is something that we've been talking about on and off off mic but this movie could come super soon because it's like not going to be released like in theaters right necessarily or it could be like not until super late because they're holding it until everybody will go see it so i i'm like trying not to even think about this movie yet but the trailer definitely hyped me up Yeah, I feel like on the one hand, because there's a trailer, I'm assuming like, oh, that means it's actually coming soon. But on the other hand, the first New Mutants trailer came out in 2017. So. (laughs) (laughs) And we were like, (laughs) we were like that it's coming soon. And now it's 2020 and it's barely, it's like screeching out. I love that you found a way to work with New Mutants into this. I think about it a lot. I, no, I, I do want to go see it. I, w- listen, when it first got delayed, I was like, I'm never going to end up seeing this movie. And when it got delayed again, I was like, I will not believe that this movie exists until the credits fucking roll. <laughs> and it's apparently, air quotes, playing in theaters. Coincidentally, not in New York, because, I mean, I don't want that. But I still haven't seen it. <laughs> I don't know anybody that's seen it. So. I, unfortunately, I do. What, but would it be funny if they like released it in theaters, but then they actually didn't because they knew no one was gonna go? <laughs> they were They're like, like yep, Go it's see uh... the new mutants, and then when you buy a ticket, the ticket taker's like, Uh, actually, sorry, it's not happening. Just to make everybody forget about it. Oh my god, I do want to see it. I'm waiting for it to come digitally so I don't have to risk anything. But there are some movies I would risk going to the theater for, for example. I may go see Tenet, but 
the new mutants is not one of them you know that is the straightest male thing you've ever said that you would risk coronavirus to go see a Christopher Nolan movie. Okay. <laughs> even though even though Vanessa Kirby's in it, like, yes, I no, know. No, not Vanessa Kirby, Elizabeth Debicki, or, Robert. They're the same in my mind. They're not the same. <laughs> um, one of them is 5'10", and one of them <laughs> is 6'3". <six>, the... the, the <laughs> I... <laughs> that is not a sentence I ever would have thought I would hear you say. <laughs> I'm going to go see Tenet. Especially knowing that you would walk in and sit down and like see her and then be like, okay, cool, I can go home now. Because <laughs> that movie's like, what, five hours long or something, I assume? I do like Christopher Nolan movies. I enjoyed Inception. I have not seen another one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've seen the good one. Which one? Um, in- Inception. Oh. <laughs> You have seen other Christopher Nolan movies like Interstellar? Haven't seen it. I only watched Did- the Jessica Chastain scenes and the Anne Hathaway scenes. Dunkirk? <gasps> Whoa. Right? Wow. For listeners who uh, who need an update, Jay and I, uh, <laughs> we didn't sneak into the movie to see Dunkirk. We still bought a ticket. It was just to a, a cheaper showing of it. <laughs> And we, and we snuck into the 35 millimeter version because we are those people <laughs> and were freaked out the entire time that somebody was going to come and take our seats, but they didn't. And we were sitting there like, why did we do this? This movie is so bad. <laughs> but honestly, the cast for Tenet is super great. I want to see it for sure, but I'm, I'm probably just going to wait. Until I can see it digitally, but I really miss going to the movies. Don't I assume, I bet you do too. Yeah, I really do. It's it's a hard life to watch it by but like alone in your apartment. Yeah, I can't focus on movies in my apartment. The only way I can watch movies is if I go to the theater and, and that's how I like can actually focus on them. That's why I see so many movies in theaters because I can't just like wait. That's why when we watched Feed in Virginia for the for, for the podcast, even though it was out on Hulu, I was like, I gotta go to a theater. First mm-hmm. of all, to support my woman. <laughs> <laughs> my women, Gemma Arterton too. My Women is the name of your next podcast. <gasps> if you if you would listen to My Women, <laughs> please DM us. No, don't DM us. Tweet. Tweet hashtag My Women. <laughs> Let's get My Women trending. And then I'll start that podcast. I, I definitely get that. I could be watching even the most exciting thing in my apartment and I'd still be like, I wonder what's happening on TikTok. Yeah. So speaking of movies and watching them in our apartments, let's talk about Wild Nights with Emily. Uh, Yes. Yes. Okay, so we watched Wild Nights with Emily with Molly Shannon, and it was directed by Madeline Olnick, and I have to say, I really liked it. I loved it. It was really good. I'm really happy we watched it. Me too. I'm glad because I wouldn't have watched it otherwise. I would have just been like, oh yeah, that movie. And from, like, the first minutes, I was like, oh, I, I love this movie. I, I'm kind of glad we watched it when we did. And this is just kind of specific to me, where uh, when the trailer came out, we were like, oh, cool, that's awesome. And then we just like, didn't see the movie. And 
I think that if I would have seen the movie when it came out, I wouldn't have liked it as much. And for some reason, seeing Emma and that kind of like quirkiness in that film, like put me in the right mindset where when this movie started, I immediately was like, okay, I get the vibe. I'm, I'm like in for this, even though it wasn't exactly the same, that still kind of like quirky, like tongue in cheek stuff was wonderful. I loved it. I felt like such a nerd. And this may surprise people, but I know everything I know about Emily Dickinson, I know from this movie. I, everything I know from Emily Dickinson, I know from the shards you've said about her. I know, I've, I know nothing about her. I know we've talked about Emily on the podcast before because we've compared me confusing Virginia Woolf with Emily Dickinson. Yes. And I will say, I now have the two very clear after watching Vita and Virginia and also Wild Nights <laughs> with Emily. Good. Thank God. Um, but I, I've never read her poetry. I've never been like an Emily Dickinson stan. I can't believe I didn't know about her because now I love her and I love her story. I, I could give or take the poems. I'm not a poetry person, but I, I, now I, now I stand her as a person. There were a couple poems that they were reading throughout the movie where I actually out loud on my couch was like, Oh fuck. The one where, <laughs> it was the one where she was like, like, you don't have to say anything. Just write me one line every day. Oh Yeah. I, like, I love you, Emily, or I'm obviously very misquoting that, and I'm sure Emily Dickinson stands are, like, re- oh, rolling their eyes at me, but, but, <laughs> but when that happened, I was like, oh, Emily, and that's when I texted you and was like, Emily's horny. Yeah, and th- it actually made me want to watch, so the director, Madeline Olneck, is a lesbian, so we stand that. And she, one of her other movie is called Codependent Lesbian Space Alien Seek Same, which now I really want to watch. <laughs> that sounds really fun. Yeah. And if it's the same vibe as Wild Nights with Emily in the same style, I feel like I would love it. And I, it also stars the woman who played Susan. Oh my gosh. Who was amazing. She was so good. That I, shot at the end when she walks in and has to see Emily's dead body and she just starts crying. I was like, whoa. The last shot of the movie hit, like smacked me across the face. Yeah, me too. Like very on the nose, but I ate it up. Me too. I loved it. Even like through the like title cards at the very end when you could still hear the erasing. Yeah. I was like, I was like, Oof. I even watched most of the credits to like see the, the spots <laughs> see the that letters. had been unraced. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, me neither. Like that was a more dramatic story than Lin-Manuel Miranda told with the song Burn. <laughs> I know that was a stretch, okay. but you're all there with me. <laughs> Are we? Yes, because Eliza like burned his letters so that nobody ever knew that he apologized. And in this, they were like, oh, we're just going to erase this bit so that she comes across as like a more like relatable writer. No, no, not more relatable. (laughs) So that her poems will sell. Yeah. Do you know what was the saddest part of the whole movie for me though? That I like truly like apologize for almost the, like one of the last title cards of the movie that was like, even today, her reputation is these things. And I was like, you know what? That's all I ever knew her as. Me too. So I guess thank you for correcting my opinions. Yeah, I felt so... I was like, I can't believe I've thought this all this time. I And I this goes without saying, but just like Molly Shannon 
has proven over and over and over again that she can do anything. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. She's an incredible actress. I feel like maybe some of our listeners might not have known before watching this that she's like a brilliant dramatic actress. And if you are now on a Molly Shannon kick, go watch Other People. Other with- People is... Uh, honestly, I would re-watch that with you. Like, w- one of the best... Not one of the best performances from Molly Shannon in general, but just like also a great performance from everybody in that movie. John yeah. Early is so good in that movie. His his monologue about the trees. Yeah. Huh. I we saw that movie years ago and I still think about it and suggest it to people. Yeah, me too. I think it's on Netflix. It yeah, it is, I think. Um, but yeah, Molly Shannon is so wonderful in it. She I I envy her as an actor that she's able to balance all of the different things that she's doing in that movie. And I know that this is getting like technical, but like her portrayal of Emily like made sense. Like I was like, the scene where she's giving the bread to the children, I was like, this is one version of like what people think Emily is. And then from the, I, I can't remember the character's name, but the woman who's like giving that speech throughout the entire movie. Oh yeah, uh, whatever her name is, yeah. Yeah, you can like see that part of Emily and like in my brain while she was talking about it, I was like, Emma, uh, Molly has like formed such a performance that I can even envision her in this and she's not even on screen. That's like, that yeah. sounds ridiculous, but I hope you no, know you're I, right. her balancing the like biopic aspect of it with the quirkiness of like almost like comedy aspect of it mixed with the like period lesbian drama like she so effortless effortlessly did all three at the same time and i was never like oh this is forced or this doesn't feel right like i i if i would suggest this to people if you have not watched this and you're still listening go watch it it's good yeah the the scene that made me be like oh this is an amazing movie <laughs> it made me laugh so hard was the scene with lavinia and the brother the sister and the brother where he's like she would like to see emily and the sister's like perhaps i could draw her a picture of emily <laughs> and they're just like does she know that emily dickinson is a person because i do have a cat named emily dickinson <laughs> My favorite part of that is when she's like, what if we dressed her up like Emily and she stood in front of a mirror and they're like, well, that more or less has already happened. Yeah. (laughs) So it will not suffice. Oh my God. I really like the scene that like made me like laugh out loud was when they're like fucking all over the house and Emily keeps trying to like leave her, her bedroom and then she'll hear them fucking and be like, nope, and go back inside. Yeah. Meanwhile, over top of it, it's like she was recluse. No one could figure out why she ever didn't come out of her out of her bedroom. Also, there was one there was one part that Robert texted to me that said was me, which I will not share. Well, you can't tell everybody that and then the, not say it. But the the other part that really was me was when Mabel goes, and around now is when I enter everybody's lives. I was like, that's me telling a story. I, like all this happened and then I showed up. Also, just just going back to the life of Emily Dickinson for a hot second, what an incredibly romantic sto- like love story. Yeah. This, 
the scene in the kitchen with them when they were little, when she finds out that Susan's going to marry her brother and they have that moment where Susan's then like, no, 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 like I'm doing this so we can keep going. I was like, oh, I love this. And then when it immediately like smash cut back to them making out in the living room and like unbuttoning their dresses, I was like, I'm in I love this <laughs> this is so romantic and then oh my god the scene where like Kate leaves the next morning and Molly comes down and is like did she leave like did she say anything and Susan's like she said nothing <laughs> she said nothing and then she said July and then she said nothing <laughs> and then she was like you've never made me you've never sewn me garters <laughs> I loved it if you're wondering what's happening, I'm giving a full, basically, drag performance of, yeah, truly. of the movie right now. It was great. I'm, I'm really glad that we watched this because I feel like we've, we've been a little on and off our game on movie picking. And I feel like we've landed on a good one. Yeah. Even though, as you said before, it is still a white lesbian period novel. Or With novel, an unhappy movie. ending. Yeah. I mean... Well, she died. <laughs> she died, but like, I, it's weird because like, yes, it was very sad. And I think the way that they handled her death was very tasteful. Like it felt very quick and they were like, yep, she got sick. And like, that was what happened. But at the end when she, when, when she was washing her body, I like got very emotional about it. And I was like, this is kind of like really sad, but like, it's a happy ending. Like they got to spend their lives together. That's true. Yeah. And they, and they weren't young. Like, I mean, they were young in the grander scheme of life, but like, it's not like they only saw each other for a couple of years and then were tragically ripped apart or one of them died or something like that. Like, yeah. we, we, like this couple lasted almost their entire lives, which I thought was, was happy in, yeah, a, in no, a way, I, I agree. guess. No, I agree. But you're right. It wasn't them like holding hands into the sunset, which I maybe have yet to see as like the lead plot of a movie. Well, Carol has a happy ending, but not like Oh yeah, I guess I guess it does. It's like the happiness is open for interpretation. <laughs> it's not open for interpretation. They see each other again. They do, but like then what? Then they get married. <laughs> Carol and they raise too. Rindy together. Carol's wedding. Just take the screenplay from Jenny and do the same Ew. thing. Ew. Oh, God, I hate that movie. <laughs> we should watch it again. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. I can't handle it. So, next week. Next week, we're going to be talking about this movie that neither of us have seen from 2015 called Naz and Malik. You can watch it on Hulu. And honestly, it sounds kind of crazy. It seems to be an action comedy about two closeted teens from Bed-Stuy, and we are excited. Yeah, we're very excited. We love Bed-Stuy. So you can watch it on Hulu. If you don't have Hulu, I'm sure that it might be somewhere else. I guess we'll talk to everybody next week. If you don't have Hulu, it's on Tubi. Because I'm sure if you don't have Hulu, you have Tubi. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, and as a final note, I know that some of you have been asking us for our opinions on the VMAs. And I know that you're listening to this on probably Monday, but we are recording this before the VMAs. So we will be talking about the VMAs next week if there's anything interesting enough to talk about. Yes. And I guess with that, we'll see everybody next week. Yeah. Enjoy Naz and Malik and we will talk to you then. Bye. Bye.